Hello and welcome to Coastal Connections, the road to the Isles. The podcast exploring the timelessly alluring appeal of the West Highlands of Scotland. I'm Neil Robertson, a travel writer and blogger living in Loch Arbor. And I'm the producer, Freya. Together we're hitting the hills, lochs, beaches and islands of Loch Arbor to introduce you to the people, stories and wildlife who are rooted in this beautiful place. And we hope we'll inspire you to come here, slow down, sink in and soak up the very special atmosphere and hospitality. So Neil, put a pin in the map for us. Where's Loch Arbor? Well, Loch Arbor is that um, fantastic, vast, mountainous area that makes up the, the West Central Highlands. So north of Argyll, south of Inverness and encompassing the area around the, the central hub, if you like, of Fort William but also including the long bony fingers of land that stretch into the Atlantic as stunningly beautiful coastal peninsulas. And it's well known for the road to the Isles. What exactly, I mean, it sounds quite obvious, but what is the road to the Isles? Well, the road to the Isles is just the the romantic name that's given to the A830 road that runs from Fort William to Malik. It just sounds a little bit better than the A830. (laughs) It's a a jaw-dropping route that, that runs to the fishing village but it can then be expanded and include adventures out to the likes of Sky, Noidart, the Small Isles and even the Outer Hebrides. And it's also, I know it's not a road, but it's matched with a really fantastic train line as well that goes all the way from Glasgow to Malig. And it's just one of the most stunning train rides you will ever take. And that's what I did. So for the first stop in this brand new series, I got on the train to Fort William from Glasgow and it was a cold and frosty day, but it was just the most stunning journey. This is Fort William. This train is for Malig. And I met up with Neil and we drove to Glenfinnan, which is about half an hour away. Now, Glenfinnan is a really beautiful wee village at the head of Loch Shiel, and it has a rich Jacobite history thanks to Bonnie Prince Charlie and a very famous present history thanks to a certain boy wizard. Ah yes, the famous Harry Potter effect. If you've seen the Hogwarts Express going over a striking curved viaduct in the, in the films or read about them in the books, you'll have seen Glenfinnan. And that's made it very, very famous, hasn't it? Oh, yes. It's certainly given a a new kind of fan base in in the recent years, there's no question. And thousands of people come to watch the twice-daily steam train across the viaduct in the summer months. It's a beautiful, beautiful scene. But there's a lot more to the area than film tourism, I would say. And for lovers of history and the outdoors in particular... I think Glenfinnan makes for a superb base. The the hiking routes sprawl in all directions and there's the famous Glenfinnan monument just a few minutes walk away from the viaduct too. It's the monument that I knew more than the viaduct actually. Maybe that says something about my age. But it's such a striking sight from the road and the train that you can't really miss it. You see this kilted man standing on top of a tall, thin stone pillar at the loch's shore. What's the story there, Neil? So the monument marks the spot where where Bonnie Prince Charlie addressed his gathered Jacobite followers in 1745 in the run-up to Culloden, ultimately. Uh, shortly after landing on the mainland for the first time, ahead of his bold attempt to seize the British throne. The man on the top represents the ultimately doomed Jacobite cause. Ah, so the man on the top isn't actually Bonnie Prince Charlie himself then? No, that's just to represent the the typical Jacobite warrior. Many people do think it's Bonnie Prince Charlie himself, but it's more just a, a representative of the cause in general. Yeah, I think I've told a few friends that that is Bonnie Prince Charlie. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to issue a correction on that one. 
<laughs> and it's really, it's he's got a good spot there, isn't it? It's a really dramatic setting. Well, the guy has is one of the finest views in Scotland, to be fair. Well, we were there at the end of winter and it was actually, although there were a few visitors, it was actually really quite peaceful and it was it was lovely to have the freedom to just mill around in the peace and quiet. But it does get quite busy in the summer, doesn't it? Yes, very much so. I think, well, over tourism, it's a, it's a big issue in Glenfinnan as it is for many parts of the Highlands. But there, there is now a big car park to accommodate uh, more folk at the visitor centre. So it's, it's definitely expanded, but it's still helpful and practical to consider avoiding the peak times of the season if you can when you do visit. And also to stick around, stay a while. It's, it's definitely an area that's worth a lot more than just a flying visit. There is more to Glenfinnan than what you can see from the car or the train. And the real reason that we were there was not to go and look at the monument. It was to meet a very special family who are steeped in music. So we met with Ingrid Henderson, her husband, Ian McFarlane, and his dad, Charlie McFarlane. They're kind of local legends in Glenfinnan, really. They're a very well-known musical family, and they're also closely connected to the Glenfinnan House Hotel, Tell us a wee bit about that, Neil. Well, it's on the Loch Shore. Glenfinnan House Hotel is just a, it's a beautifully set 18th century building that's long been a centre of activity for holidaymakers, for diners and for those on the search for local traditional music. It's a really beautiful setting and Charlie, who we'll hear from in just a minute, he's got stories about that hotel. There's a lot of music that's happened and still happens there. So if you're into traditional music, it's definitely worth checking out. Neil, I was kind of bowled over by Charlie. Oh, what a character. I mean, just epitomising so much about the, the Scottish and the Highland way of life. He just he was he was charming, he was he was fascinating, and yeah, just just oozing personality. Oh, it was so lovely to meet them. And so lovely to hear Ian and Ingrid be such an active part of cultural life in Lochaber as well. But we met Ian and Ingrid and Charlie in a very modern location. They've actually, in the woods next to the hotel, built a beautiful little studio and accommodation attached. They make a lot of music there, they teach there, and you can actually stay in the little apartment connected to the studio. Shall we just get to the music, mm. Neil? Oh, yes, please. How's it going again? We're here in the old laundry in the studio in Glenfinnan and we're with 
the head of the family, would that be fair to say, Charlie? I suppose so. <laughs> um, the tune that you just called there, I think it was mm. it was Hockton House, is Hoch- that right? Hockton House, yeah. Tell yeah. us a wee bit about that tune. How long have you been playing it? Oh, mm. it would be about 1954. <laughs> I was living in Glenroy then, and uh, this uh, lovely elderly fiddler lived up the glen and... Uh, I was just learning the fiddle then because I had had to stop piping to my dismay. So I just picked it up probably too quickly. But uh, I picked up one or two tunes off this lovely fiddler up the glen. And the first time I heard that tune was old Seamus Alley playing that tune. Yeah, I could see him playing it yet, you know, with a great grin across his face there. As he played it, he just enjoyed the tune you know. Music is obviously a big big part of your lives and I'm guessing that this is something that spans generations Well it's certainly in, in my life the Hendersons which is my maiden name well still my name they were the pipers to McKeon of Glencoe so that's going back hundreds yeah. of years mm-hmm. I can't claim the piping thing but I did go quite traditional with the harp yeah. sound I mean I grew up listening to my father plus his friends who would call in to play pipes and fiddles and uh, Kayleigh's away back in the 70s and, and you know it just it comes in and <laughs> osmosis you live and breathe it and it just becomes part of you um, I'm wondering about inspiration and we're obviously in a, a very very beautiful part of the world do you get inspiration from being in the Highlands is that something that's central to your music maybe musicians in the area don't realise it straight away but I think that as you get older, you you realise that your whole surrounding is everything that you encompass into your music. It's a feel. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I play music that people from the area have composed, I can almost feel either, if they've named it after a place and I know the place, I can almost feel exactly why they got inspired to do that. Mm-hmm. And it goes the same for people as well. If people have composed a tune for somebody from the area and, and you know them, you can you can almost hear the character of the person within the tune, which sounds a bit bizarre, but I, I think the inspiration from our landscape, the you know, the glens and lochs, uh, is very strong. It's very strong. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Would you say that there's a, a West Highland fiddle style? It's quite a wide debate that, to be honest, I know so many fiddle players from Loch Haber and up the west coast as far as Loch Inver. And I couldn't say with my hand and my heart that there are regional styles. They're all great players, but they're quite individual. They have their own sound. Every player, I think, produces it's their own soul. It's their own style. The tune repertoire might be similar, and that's... What I think about Lochaber, for example, I think if we all sit down to play, we've got tunes to play together. But when you hear everybody on their own playing, it's their own voice. And that's one of the things that I love, you know. So Ingrid, could you give us a wee introduction to your to your instrument? I think a lot of people, if they think Scottish folk music, they'll easily think of the pipes and the fiddle. Yeah. But yours... You're slightly, slightly different. Yeah, so I play the Scottish harp, or clarsach is the Gaelic word for it, and clarsach usually means 
a 34 or less stringed instrument. So you've got the big concert harp that's got 50 odd strings and the clarsus got less. And I suppose maybe more folk would think about Ireland and the harp. That would be the, the common link. But actually the harp is the oldest instrument in Scotland, older than the pipes. Thank you very much. A lot of people think Scotland bagpipes. But I, I mean, I think most civilizations had a harp of some sort. You know, that's just the way it went. The thing about the harp is, I guess when people don't think about it in Scotland is because it virtually died out. It just about died out and there was a bit of a revival in the 70s, I guess, with the folk revival. And some harpers, Alison Kinnaird is one woman I can think of who did a lot to revive the harping fortunes in Scotland. So in the 80s, really in, in the Lochaber area, there was no harping at all. And it just so happened that an American woman moved to Malig when I was young, who was musical anyway, and decided that she was going to learn the harp. And she did. And I knocked on her door. She was friendly with my parents. They played music together. And I just plagued her for a year to teach me how to play the harp. So in that time, when I was sort of learning in the early 80s in Malig, there was just me and this other woman. And then she took on another few pupils. Thankfully, the music teacher in Malig then took on some others and it grew. And then when I got to about 17, 18, I was asked if I would teach. I didn't know if I could, but I started teaching and discovered that I really enjoyed teaching. And I think there's an appreciation and it's maybe how we've grown up in families with music there's sort of an appreciation that somebody took the time to give you something that you enjoy and you value and if you could pass that on and I still teach to this day and really enjoy it if you can pass on even the wee fragment that you know and you can pass that on to someone else and kids get joy out of that whether they do it professionally or not doesn't really matter then it's just a it's just a lovely thing so that that's that's where I am with my harping but I mean I've been playing nearly oh she's adding up her age now I don't know but 35 years probably and I think when you learn from a kid and play it becomes sort of second nature and part of your body and also the way you play the harp you've got it very close into the body as well and uh, yeah it just feels like a very natural thing thing to do for me you guys have toured internationally how have audiences across the world reacted to traditional Scottish music what's extraordinary to me is I and we love our music and really understand it and just think it's amazing but it's when you go travelling abroad and you don't set yourself up as an ambassador by any means but you suddenly realise you're on a stage or you're with people and you're constantly to give the context of your slow air or your reel you're going you're talking about Arisic you're talking about Malik you're talking about all these places to paint a picture because it's all part and parcel of it's not just notes on a page it's it's part and parcel of where you're from and it's it's amazing the response. I think the minute you say you're from Scotland, mm -hmm. you get a great response anyway. But then the minute you paint that picture of lochs and glens and and not in a twee way, but it's that's mm -hmm. where you're from. Mm -hmm. And it's extraordinary. And I remember being in the Czech Republic in Brno, the sort of second city of the Czech Republic, at a gig. And there were thousands of people at this gig. And myself and a Gaelic singer were introducing ourselves. And the Gaelic singer said, Avil Gaelic Ig Dinyas and Bees. So she asked the audience, anyone here with Gaelic, half joking. 
And this little hand went up the back and went, ha! <laughs> yes, I do. And it was somebody, it was a student actually in the university in Burno who was studying Gaelic. And the reason that they were studying Gaelic was because of music, because they'd listened to Runrig, they'd listened to Capricayli, and that had got them into it. So I think, you know, when you think about music from our area just by itself, then, yeah, it's lovely music, but if you think about how it gets you deeper into the culture and the area and sparks that interest, and if you just dig a little deeper, it's, it's extraordinary the response that you get from around the world. And it also reinforces how you feel about it because you suddenly realise what a rich treasure chest you have been given and you are part of, and it's, it's really, it's lovely. And I'm wondering about Gaelic as well. How, how do you guys feel about Gaelic as, as a language? Do you think it's a language that is starting a new revival? Um, well, it's funny because Ian and I, b both of our backgrounds, you know, and our families are Gaelic speakers, but in both myself and Ian's cases, it sort of skipped the generation above us as in a spoken language. And, uh, and then Ian and I have both learnt it but have sort of reversed the trend in our own family and that Ian and I used it as a first language with our with our son. So have felt that we're sort of doing our bit, but that, that sounds a wee bit too formal, but it was important for us to do that because it was within our family and the reasons that it wasn't, that we didn't have it from birth were, you know, very much that... Um, <laughs> It's quite hard. I was going to say we were cleansed. That's no, but well, actually, no. That that it's quite a strong word. That, but I, I know I will use that word because, you know, our grandparents' generation were very much told that they shouldn't speak Gaelic and it, you know, beaten in school and a lot of common stories that people hear, which sounds absolutely ridiculous now when people want to raise their families bilingually. It doesn't really matter the language. Again, this brain thing, you know, helping your kids develop. But I do have a sadness about it as well because I don't think you're going to completely reverse what's happened and the language will change if it isn't a language of home. But having said that, there's youngsters being raised in the area, not just the ones that are Gaelic medium, the one, even in um, mainstream schools, they're getting a bit more knowledge about Gaelic and they do French and they do other languages and they learn about other people's cultures, which I think is really important, you know, not from an inward looking point of view, but to be really confident about where you live and then be interested in other people's cultures. Yeah. There's a, a tune that uh, came to me after coming up the loch on a boat with a following wind and we'd been uh, to Inianen or St Finan's Isle or the Green Isle as some call it ancient burial place that was there and so I just called it uh, the Tunella Inianen but it it follows the the boats going up and, and down with the wind behind it's a, a gentle thing right? Cam D is that what we're looking for?
you know, music's such a great way of taking you out of your out of your headspace into a into a different world, whether it's through the stories or or just the time and the re relaxation of it. If you're coming into the Highlands, how can you experience the music? Well, there are some hotels and pubs will will have music sessions on where they'll have local musicians who will just play in a very informal spontaneous format have a few you know drums and and play tunes in this area here Glenfinnan's very well known for its music Arisig has a, a regular session in the hotel there and Glenuig has uh, lately just started up their sessions down there again and it, it's good for locals and tourists because tourists get to have a wee look in the the window of just the way we live around here and they'll see locals um, in their welly boots and off the fishing boats and uh, enjoying themselves, having a wee dance about or people singing and it's a very social and it's a great way for people to get together. The, the tourists that um, we've met playing down in the hotel in Glenfinnan here at Glenfinnan House Hotel over the last 10 years, it's usually the highlight of their their week's holiday in the Highlands. They just they love it. And it affects it affects people. They feel that they're they're getting to see something that no one else is getting to see. So so it's it's an exciting thing because there's no plan, there's no music stands, there's no sometimes they don't even discuss what tunes are going to be played. There's just some wide open eyes and <laughs> they, they all launch into a new tune and, oh, and then they go and, and and playing in that scenario, it's kind of like jazz in a way. It's like improvisation. You just have to kind of hang in there. Mm -hmm. And it, it 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 gives you the spark, it gives the group the spark. It gives the people listening uh, uh, just a bit of magic dust to their night, and it's it's a great, it's a fantastic thing. Charlie, could you explain for the listeners your connection with the hotel? We acquired the place as a private house in 1971, and uh, we had uh, we came in on a shoestring, and we were going round the auction rooms getting necessary bits and pieces and furniture, and one of the things on the list was a gong to sound the, the dinner. We felt the house merited a gong. The place we were in before had a gong, and I used to enjoy playing the gong. There's a bit of an art to that one. Anyway, time came to open up, and the only gongs we ever came across was a thing the size of a, a saucer or a meat plate, you know, which just wouldn't, wouldn't do. So I, I said to my wife, I said, well... We haven't got a gong, we'll just have to use the pipes. <laughs> and so I pipe for breakfast and dinner every day, all through the whole season. And, uh, well, of course, I, um, in the bar, uh, I kept the pipes there and, and, and the fiddle. So um, it was locals that would ask for a tune more than anybody else, but occasionally a, a guest would ask you know, so uh, yes, uh, I would just pick up the fiddle and play behind behind the bar. You know? In fact, I have one recollection of a a very busy time with a queue waiting to come in the bar, and I was playing a tune at someone's request, and I thought, oh, I'll finish the tune, 
uh, they'll wait. And uh, so having made them wait, I thought, oh, dear me. Uh, and he came to the counter and I said, yes, what what can I, I give you? He, this fellow said, give me Sheen of Iron. He said, that's a, that's a garlic song on the bit of I think, um, uh, to be honest, you know, certainly from my own memories as a child, the fact that my mother and father took over the the house and started the hotel there, that was really the beginnings of the music thing there. And it was the fact that my father was there and he was a piper and a fiddler. And his friends obviously knew he was a piper and a fiddler, so they would go there. So then suddenly you've got an open door to music, Mm -hmm. which then has a knock-on effect to the people who go to eat, stay, drink in in that establishment. The the two go hand in hand, and that right there is your culture. And you've got everything gets married together with the socialising, and it all becomes mixed into one thing, you know. And and for, for the visitor, you know, again, I think that's where that special effect comes together when you go into an establishment and you feel more than just getting a, a room key and checking in at the reception. And <laughs> the Glenfinnan Highland Gathering. This is the name of the tune. It's composed by... Composed by... Uh, Ronnie Laurie. Ronnie Laurie, mm-hmm. Auburn. Ronnie Laurie, that composed the tune, was a piping judge uh, the, and a famous piping family, the Willie Laurie. And, uh, he composed the tune and uh, it's quite popular amongst uh, pipers, so we'll give it a... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. brilliant. Thank you so much to Ingrid Henderson, Ian and Charlie McFarlane for hosting us 
at the old laundry in Glenfinnan. I don't think I'm ever going to forget that. It was just such good fun. If you'd like to hear more music, check out ianmcfarlaneingridhenderson.com or you can find them and the Glenfin and Cayley band at all the usual streaming sites. You can find out more about the Old Laundry Studio and the local accommodation online with loads of useful visitor information also on roadtothealls.com. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you're going to join us next time. We'll be visiting artists, hearing Gaelic song, walking in nature and exploring a private island. Oh, it's a tough job this one, isn't it? Oh, we'd do it. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could like, subscribe and share. Bye for now. Slander. Postal Connections Road to the Isles is produced by Freya Hellier. Many thanks also to Les Back for the additional music. 